For more than 20 years, Big Ass Fans has been the industry leader in comfort. Its state-of-the-art fans, evaporative coolers, and heaters have transformed the most inhospitable of spaces into the most inviting of environments. Learn more at BigAssFans.com. How do you turn a well-loved restaurant into a hot national concept? Lane's Chicken Fingers is trying to do just that. Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I speak with Garrett Reed, CEO of the fast-growing chain Lane's Chicken Fingers. If you haven't heard of Lane's, you soon will. Lane's was founded near Texas A&M and College Station in 1994, Reed and a partner later purchased the brand, intending on turning it into a franchise. The company currently has nine locations, but it has franchise deals for many, many more. Garrett talks about turning this brand into something more than it was. We spoke about with him about the transition and about how the company has sold so many franchises this fast. We also talk about the brand's unique franchising strategy and how it should hopefully maintain its culture even as the concept grows. We talk about some of the challenges of growing this fast and about growing this far away from its hometown. We also talk about why culture is important to a brand like Lane's. It's an interesting discussion with an emerging Chicken Fingers brand, so please have a listen. All right, I'm here with Garrett Reed. Garrett, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, good morning. Thank you for having me. Super. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about Lane's, please. All right. So I am an Aggie from College Station who grew up there. That means a lot to our uh, rabid fans, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe not to uh, those that uh, aren't Aggies, but I grew up there in College Station. I ran a, or still do, I have a real estate development business. Mm -hmm. Uh, We primarily focused on uh, QSRs, uh, coffee shops, things like that. We built a lot of full service restaurants, if 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 you would say. So my background is in uh, site selection, real estate development, market planning, uh, statistical and analyzation and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's my background. And uh, by chance, I uh, stumbled into the the other side of the uh, coin that I watched mm-hmm. people execute for years. Like anything else, you think, oh, my gosh, look how much greener the grass is on that side. And I'm doing all this hard work. Why don't I do that? Mm-hmm. And so I've been on this side of the grass and, uh, or this side of the fence and, uh, grass tastes about the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just as hard. So when, when did you get involved in lanes? So I've been a fan of lanes for a long time. One of my buddies that I went to elementary school and uh, high school with, uh, Mike Garrett actually acquired the brand from the original, the, the, the gentleman that first founded it, Mike Lane. I started talking to Mike back in probably 2016 about uh, opportunities that he would have, you know, on a more national scale. Unbelievable human being, uh, just a good dude. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, he had to uh, say, no, we're not a national brand. Uh, We we don't have the sophistication that uh, some of the other big brands have. And so I, I got it. I said, Hey man, just keep doing your thing. Be, be your cult brand and do something cool. I was pushing him to become a franchisee. I really mm-hmm. wanted to take the brand to become a franchise uh, brand. At the end of the day in 2017, me and uh, one of my buddies ended up buying Mike, buying the entire brand. 
Uh, we actually left him in as a partner. That that stems from the movie The Founder, which I'm sure you've seen. Yeah, that movie, uh, uh, the way that Ray Kroc did the uh, original McDonald's Brothers, me and my buddy said, hey, if we're going to blow this thing up and do it right, uh, we've got to make sure that we take care of uh, those guys that were in the trenches for the years before. So Mike is actually still a partner with us in the business. So that's how I got involved in it. I mean, it, it gets complicated after that, but uh, it was it was truly just some old buddies having conversations and uh, me convincing him that uh, we had the financial capabilities and the desire to take lanes uh, on the national stage. Mm-hmm. Tell us a, a little bit about the the brand's history, if you could. Uh, it's pretty well connected with Texas A&M, no? Yeah, yeah, it really is. So Mike Garrett uh, was a freshman uh, at Texas A&M, and he was originally from Georgia. And he wanted to, his, his, con, his idea was that, uh, hey, there's some really good fried chicken in Georgia where I come from. It's missing here in College Station. And so uh, as a freshman in college, he decided it'd be a great idea to bring his brand of fried chicken uh, to Texas. And so he started cooking up fingers and toast and crinkle cut fries and all that. And he was an unbelievable operator. Kids, you'll find out real quick. I call everybody that works for us kids. I don't care if they're 40 years old or whatever. They're all my kids. So (laughs) kids loved him. He was notorious for his hospitality his guest service and uh, might not have been the best businessman, but he was a phenomenal human being when it came to just everybody loving him. And his food obviously was phenomenal. So that's really how the brand got started. Uh, just a college kid that uh, wanted to to bring some Georgia fingers to Texas. Well, it's fun hearing about these college kids that start uh, restaurant chains uh, on campus, man. You know, I wasn't I guess that's it's better to start a business than to go to keg parties. I'm telling you. Well, if you if you really dig in and you talk to some of the uh, the kids that originally worked for Mike, uh, there may have been a few too many keg parties once the uh, front doors closed. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of great stories about pulling the till open uh, at closing and, and running down and, and getting a keg or two and, and mm-hmm. being college kids. So uh, mm-hmm. they were doing some great things on the food side of things as well. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, chicken fingers are fantastic. Just, it, pretty much everybody likes it, man. Unless you don't eat meat, you're eating. Yeah. Uh, you're eating chicken. You're eating fried chicken fingers. It's 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 the protein of choice. And and honestly, that was that was one of the you know one of the things that I really wanted to do after having a very successful real estate development career. I wanted to get in the food business. And I just looked at all the research and the data, and it seemed like Americans had made a pivot, you know, whether it was the early 90s, late 80s, sometime to the protein that was chicken, right? Whether they perceive it as a cleaner protein, a different taste profile. I know when I was a kid, you know, the chicken nugget had become big. And and so there was a lot less lot less beef sold, uh, or not maybe not less sold, but the, the, the protein began to dominate the category. So when we started looking... Obviously, we wanted to to go with a bigger brand. We we're going to be a franchisee and all this. And we we found out how hard it was to get a hold of a franchise. And that's what spurred the conversations with Mike. And um, we were able to, you know, convince him that what we could do, we basically put a business plan together, right? Mm-hmm. Here's, here's the steps that we're going to do. First thing is we're going to acquire the brand. Uh, we hired uh, a gentleman from Wolfgang Puck, one of the you know first 10 guys that worked for Wolfgang, a uh, British guy, really cool. 
Uh, he went down to College Station, kind of lived in the stores and did an analysis. Because one of the things that Mike was so worried about is I'm a mom and pop brand. I do things mom and pop, right? He's the a cigar box, put the money in it. The systems worked not because he had a, a model. The systems worked because he had long-term kids, employees that he trained over and over again. His biggest fear is this is not a franchisable operation. And he was right. Uh, he didn't have any systems in place. So we sent a guy down there for months. He did the analyzation of it. Uh, we came back. We, we built a, a plan that said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take what we believe the right model is in terms of operations, not the food. And we're going to open up, you know, three or four corporate units in a different market that's not native to College Station, doesn't have the, the, the customer base built up there. And we're really going to stress test it. We did it really interesting too. And you can tell that I was not, I am a restaurant guy now, but I wasn't at the time. Our genius idea was we were going to open up three units in Dallas, all 90 days apart. Mm -hmm. And we were going to really put the screws to what we thought was the right model. And uh, the idea was let them run for three to four years. If, and, take all the learnings from that, all the mistakes we were going to make, incorporate them into Proto 2.0, if you will. And then after that, we were going to say, okay, if we can prove it up after 2.0, maybe we need a 3.0, but then we're going to be able to say, we have a box, we have a, a franchisable model that we can actually service uh, our clients with. So we did that. Uh, it only took us three years to really say, we've got it down. Uh, we opened up our fourth corporate unit before the four-year mark, went phenomenal without a hitch. Uh, we didn't have a lot of learnings from that because it was really just kind of, this is what we've been doing. Got our first franchisee uh, signed up and onboarded, went through the opening of that. We learned a ton of stuff in doing that. It, it went on without a hitch. And here we are, we've sold uh, 51 units now. We got six franchisees open. We have discovery days two, three times a week. So it, it's been a really fun process. We got a, a lot of really cool kids that work for us. We hired Samir Watar. He was at uh, Muya. Uh, and, you know, he, he, he's got an unbelievable background in supply chain. Uh, we brought in a director of operations. She has a, a phenomenal uh, history and pedigree to uh, run our operations side. Uh, we've really beefed up and spent a lot of capital on our infrastructure so that we could support rapid franchise growth. Uh, I think that's probably where a lot of small companies go wrong. They're not set and ready for that. Uh, we have training stores here, certified trainers. Uh, we went through the process with the first franchisee that came on board. He went through the entire process with his team. Super successful. Really cool to see him get open. He's uh, building out his second unit right now. We've got, uh, we got quite a few coming up, but we've really built a neat model. The one thing that we do a little different, I think, and I found this out in talking to potential uh, business partners or franchisees, whatever you want to call them, is we don't have a sales department hmm. and we don't ever plan on having a sales department. Any inquiries that come through and they come through a lot. I mean, it's, it's overwhelming at some time, some, some points in time. All the sales calls come through to me or my partner, Matt. We screen everybody ourselves. We do the discovery day ourselves. We're way more interested in finding a cultural fit than somebody that believes in our core values 
and believes in what we're trying to do. And if they don't, uh, we say no. We take a lot of pride in saying no more often than we say yes. I think I think our track record of saying no to franchisees is uh, is outstanding. So that, that's kind of how we got to where we're at. That's kind of how we've done what we've done. It's rewarding. It's cool to see kids now. I mean, we've been doing this long enough now to where we've seen kids go all the way through the program. They're in college now. They come back. We just had a group of co- kids come back for the summer. And it's it's like seeing family. You know, you just run up and hug them and, uh, you know, you hear about what they're doing and where they're going. So it's been very rewarding. It's been mm-hmm. cool. Are you, you you guys have time to take all the inquiries uh, yourselves like that? Yeah. So, I mean, they, they, they come through the internet and, uh, we do, we screen them, uh, we screen them all with a phone call first, try to get to know them and yeah, we've done it so far. And, and, uh, you know, maybe sometime five years down the road, we won't be able to, but our plan is to, to always have that contact and it's not coming through somebody else. Mm -hmm. Do do you, I mean, do you advertise or, or uh, if you don't have a sales department, that means you must not, you don't advertise or anything like that. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, we don't, uh, I'm not aware of like any publication we've been in says, you know, call for lanes franchising or something like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously we do, we do media stuff and uh, a lot of my podcast. Yeah. A lot, a lot of it's word of mouth. Right. 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 Yeah. And that's, and that's deliberate that you want, you want that sort of thing. Uh, deliberate in the way that we sell. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I have two fears being a franchisee franchise or I'm sorry, I have two fears for my franchisees. Mm-hmm. We've built the box and we know that it works. We know that it's profitable, mm-hmm. but what keeps me up at night is the people that we partner with, are they going to protect our brand? And are they going to be profitable? If they can do those two things, everything else we've built is right. So I've got stories for days and I'm not going to share those of, you know, groups that have come in and, and peacocked around and, and talked about all the, uh, the great things that they're going to do. And you can tell after meeting somebody for a little bit of time, whether or not they fit, whether or not they are going to represent the brand. So for the foreseeable future, I really want to be involved in that process because I think the deterioration of our brand, again, that's just that's just what scares me to death. We've got to be lanes. We've got to be the Astro chicken. We've got to be our four pillars. And so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I mean, that's a really interesting point. I mean, I've you know, I've covered franchising for a hot minute and um you know, I, one of the things that I've always said is is that it's okay to say no to some people. In fact, brands probably need to say no more than they should say yes in many cases mm-hmm. because you're going to, you know, just because somebody has money and is interested in your brand and likes your food doesn't necessarily mean that they're 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 right fit or or they're a good operator or, or things like that. And it really does need to be in many respects a, a wording of a franchise. That's being picky is actually a good thing to me. Yeah. You know, we just sold to a group in Pittsburgh, um, which is, you know, outside of Texas. It's uh, the first opportunity to go out there. We've had inquiries from uh, lots of different states. Those those different candidates, you know, when they come in, we really I mean, they are really going to be the face of the brand. And you can sit down and have a beer with them. You can go in and see how they interact with the kids and all this kind of stuff. And you can tell the ones 
that that generally have a passion for what they do and those that are looking for an ROI. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most polite way to say it. And uh, at this stage in the company, we need the passion for the brand. We need the belief in the brand. You know, that's we need we need our first, you know, I don't know, our first 60, 70 uh, franchisees to really be ambassadors. They've got to go out there and do the hard work of this is our this is our cult. This is our brand. This is what we believe in. They've got to do the things that 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 we do right now in their markets. And so that's that's important. The food's great. The food's phenomenal. The operations are super simple. That's all in place. They've just got to be ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Anything that surprised you going from real estate to restaurants? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there's, there was a lot of things. Um, you know, being a real estate guy, uh, my involvement in the restaurant usually ended when we turned the keys over to the operator. Mm-hmm. Right. The thing that surprised me is the biggest thing is your, your, your kids. That, that really surprised me. You know, you kind of you go into a McDonald's, you go into a Wendy's, you go into a Chick Fil A, and, and and you see them take your order, you see them bring you your food, you see them do this, but you don't see the complexity that lives behind the curtain. You know, somebody's boyfriend broke up with them. Somebody's mom and dad are in a fight. Somebody's moving. Somebody got bad grades at school. These all sound trivial to us. And we know this too shall pass. But these type of things are earth shattering for a lot of these kids, right? And to have to see how they deal with continuing a shift or whatever. And so the, the, the complexities of the relationship was the thing that surprised me the most. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, we have a kid, uh, Jason. He, he was on Fox with me, uh, Fox and Friends. He's kind of one of our, our, our success stories. He started with us when he was 16 years old, him and a bunch of his buddies. And I got to be really good friends with them. And during their senior year, they had a, a, a break period at school. The school's a mile away from our Allen location. Uh, and one day I'm in the restaurant and here comes Jason and a couple of the other guys. And I'm like, what are y'all doing here in the middle of the day? And they said, hey, Garrett, we, we, we cut our chicken, right? So, um, well, actually back then we cut our chicken. Now we have it delivered to spec. They said, weekend's coming up. We need X cases of chicken. And, and so we came in during our period to cut chicken. Wow. You know, it almost makes tears well up in your eyes. You know, these kids believe and they love and they learn. Um, so you have those cool moments. Uh, and that guy's a general manager for us now. He's phenomenal. He's turned two stores sales to uh, unbelievable sales. But um yeah, the, the thing that surprised me the most was the complexities of managing people mm-hmm. uh, and managing relationships. And you've got, you know, we don't, we don't, our concept's so simple that we don't have a lot of people in the building at one time. I mean, any more than six people, you're, you're too crowded. But they all come from different places, different walks of life, different backgrounds. And it's just managing that playground that is that. So that's the most surprising thing in the restaurant business. Uh, mm-hmm. Finding out you can't make everybody happy, you know, not every customer's happy, every guest is happy, but that, that's been the biggest surprise is the kids. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go back a little bit to the, the, the sales stuff and, and how you, you interview all the operators that come in. 
Mm-hmm. Is that like so? I mean, like it seems like the thing that you're you're trying to do here, and and so far it seems like you're 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 being you're you've been successful at this is is taking a brand that was really well loved in a local area, and then helping it and and then make helping that to transition into a much larger brand. But that's always kind of challenge the challenge to me because. You know, like a, a local concept it, 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 that does really well locally, that doesn't always, it's really difficult to get the customer enthusiasm, to translate, have that customer enthusiasm translated on a broader scale. Sometimes it just works on a local level and it doesn't necessarily work on a national scale. So yep. it is like when you're, and especially when you're franchising and you bring all these different people in. So, so does that, does this whole does like you, you guys interviewing everybody that comes in and and ensuring does that help that kind of culture translate from from one store to to the next? Is that I, I, I I believe it does, and that's and you nailed it. You hit it right on the head. The the the, the fear was that it was a local brand. Just because they had good food doesn't mean that people are going to come visit you. So if you don't have that operator that has that passion, that has that desire to grow the brand that has a desire to get out in the community. And we put together a process of how you infiltrate the community, if you will, right? How do you get out there? How do you make yourself known? That stuff's not easy to fake, right? If you really don't want to be up at the high school talking to the band leader, or you really don't want to be at the the, the event in town uh, mingling with the people, if you're not really connected to the community, people will see through that, right? You have to be genuine. And so we interview more for genuine than anything else. And there is no check the box for that. It's a feeling, right? It's a gut reaction. It's, it's the way things go. And, and, and most everyone we brought on owns other brands. So we go out and we, we see how they operate. We interview their employees. What do you think of, what do you think of the owner? What do you think of your boss and all that kind of stuff? But that, that is the reason that uh, we are as involved as we are. Because if they don't fit, then there's no reason for us to take a chance that somebody ruins the brand. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a problem getting franchisees uh, to uh, interested in the concept, huh? Not at this point. Not going wood somewhere. Yeah, no, we've uh, we've been we've been overwhelmed with positive responses. Um, some of them are former Texas A&M students. We've got a couple of those as franchisees, but some of them just heard about us came in, ate the food, visited us and, and, and decided to, to sign up. But at this point, we're good. I mean, we're, like I said, we signed up 51 units this year. I think we're on pace to, to get about a hundred inked before the end of the year. Then we'll see how, how it goes next year, uh, whether we, you know, it, depending on where they're going to be uh, geographically, We've got a great training team. We want to make sure that we don't stress them out. We've got some really experienced people we've taken from some other brands, Shaq being the head of that department. She's really got a phenomenal team and we've got some really good trainers. Right now, getting interest in in the brand is is not is not a concern to us. Mm-hmm. Executing many- is is our focus right now. Right. How many locations do you guys have open right now? We have nine locations open right now. We have one, two, three, four, five, six under construction. And then you know, we've been doing real estate tours probably every week looking at real estate. Mm-hmm. And where are you? Where are your where are your openings primarily? Texas. Everything's in Texas right oh, now. Everything is in Texas. Yep. Well, there's there's one in uh, West Virginia. 
there at the University of West Virginia. Um, it is, I don't even think it's on the board yet. Uh, no, yeah, Morgantown. So we will be opening up Morgantown before the end of the year. So College Town makes sense. We're, we're posting up there and we'll see how much they love us. I think they'll love us a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But is for for the most part you're you're sticking kind of to the local areas at this point. Yeah, it's tough to say in Texas that something's local. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you could drive for four or five hours and still find yourself in the same state. We we are in the process of interviewing groups that are all over the United States. So West Virginia, Morgantown will be our first one outside of Texas. Next year we will have. I bet half of our openings will be outside of the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Any concern about the distance there and making sure that you can you can effectively monitor the the location in West There's all there is always concern. Yes, yes, there's always concern. We believe we have our systems in place. We believe that we have picked the right partners, and we have a a schedule to uh, to monitor that. We brought on our first, he's actually been with the brand for a long time, used to be our district manager. He's going to be our franchise business consultant. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've beefed up that budget for that person. And he was our district manager. He was a a store operator. He knows what we're doing. We will be really hands-on the first two or three local, all of our deals right now are multi-unit deals. We're not looking for one-off franchisees. Mm Uh, so once they've proven to us that they've got the concept down, they've got they're doing the community stuff like we want them to, then they can back off of that. But right now we've over budgeted and over planned for the 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 help that we need to give uh, a new franchisee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a lot of them are already operators of existing concepts. They are. They are. We're a little different, though. <laughs> we're quirky. We're um, mm-hmm. we're a little more fun. You know, this isn't running a Subway. This isn't running a Popeye's. This isn't running a McDonald's. There's a certain there's a certain expectation we have when our customer comes and visits us. Uh, one of the biggest compliments that I can get is somebody says, <clears throat> you know, I know I'm at a queue. I know I'm at a fast food restaurant, but I feel like I'm at a full service restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's what that's the feeling we want where the services. One of our pillars is OTT service over the top. And we've got to make sure that communicates. Uh, one of our, we have four pillars. Another one of our pillars is 15 to one. We stole that from Yelp, right? Yelp had this article that they wrote one time and they said of their reviews of food service places, every 15 reviews, 14 of them were about the service and one was about the food. Hmm. You know, so our our kids know that we serve the best damn chicken fingers on the planet but our service needs to be 15 times better than those best damn chicken fingers. Right. So our franchisees need to understand that. So that's, that's what we're monitoring. That's what we're looking for. Obviously the, the, the quality of the food and everything, I think that's easier to police. I think, you know, we've done it well in Houston, which is, you know, a four hour drive away from corporate office. Uh, we've done well there in making sure that standards are kept and all that. So it'll be, it'll be a fun couple of next years. That's for sure. We won't get a lot of sleep. <laughs> Excellent. Sir, this is fantastic. Really appreciate you joining me this week on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited by, as always, by Kimmy Spoons Kazmarek, artwork by Nico Hines. You may find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else you can get your podcast. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host and podcast producer and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.
more than 20 years, Big Ass Fans has been the industry leader in comfort. Its state-of-the-art fans, evaporative coolers, and heaters have transformed the most inhospitable of spaces into the most inviting of environments. Learn more at BigAssFans.com.